What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast podcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan here, and we have a fun episode today with, uh, as Mike Hearn calls it, a serial podcast guest, Jaden Bales is who's on today. We talk about tents, the new Argali four-person he's been running, and we also talk about a new venture he's into, which is really helpful to the hunting community. And then we talk about mule deer for probably over half the episode because we just can't help ourselves. So that's what's coming up um, before we dive into the episode. I want to just talk about a new digiscoping adapter that has come out called MagView. So if you go to magviewgear.com, you can look at their new digiscoping adapter. Um, it is a magnetic adapter. So there is a steel plate that's very thin. It uh, can be adhesed to, I wonder if that's actually a word, but it can be bound to, we'll say, the back of your phone case. So there's no like um, rings or circles or anything on your phone case that makes it weird to put in your pocket or whatever. Um, And then you have an adapter that goes on your, um, they have one for your binoculars and then they also have one for your spotting scope. Um, The one for your spotting scope, I mean, I would say for the most part, we all digiscope through our spotting scope. So that's the one that I'm most interested in, the one that I want to um, focus on. So um, on that, they made an integration, which is really cool. Um, The magnetic part that clips to the back of your phone Um, that flips open. So it's also dual purpose for a scope cap, which, or like a lens cap, which is really nice because I lose all my lens caps. And if we have something on like that, I think that I could keep track of it. So I'm excited to get mine in the mail and start using it. Robbie's been using his for quite a while. We talked about it very in depth back in the tipsy Tuesday that I kicked out last Friday, which seems seems like it makes sense um so anyways that is magview digiscoping adapter uh we go through it all with robbie last week so go check that out you can go to magviewgear.com to give the unit a look and with that we're gonna dive in with Jaden and start talking about mule deer all right dude what's what's going on how's the scouting been Oh, hey, Jordan. Man, scouting has been honestly pretty dang good. Um, we got some great moisture here at the end of at the end of the spring and uh, early summer in Wyoming. And so I've been pouring the coals to the scouting thinking that there's some bucks that are going to be pretty big. And uh, I'd say the quality is a little better this year than last year, at least in my my local spot. So I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so it's been good. Sweet. Have you been seeing bucks like in the same places? Or are they shifting a little bit? Um, they're harder to nail down for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I've got this one spot that I just swear, man, I've gone there three times trying to find a buck there. Cause I'm like, this is just the perfect stuff. And I think partially like they don't have to be concentrated by this water right now. Cause there's enough hills trickles and stuff everywhere else that the, the bucks are just like not in their concentrated spots that they were last year. Um, but if you sit back far enough, you know, like if you drift, um, back at a, at a good big vantage point for scouting. Um, I'm still finding deer. They're just kind of like slightly in different spots, you know, like there's this one drain or there's one big slope that we look at a lot and there's a Creek that runs on the left side of it. And the deer that we're finding are like on the far right side because they don't, there's like other water that's available. So, um, that's been, that's been fun, man. It's been cool to see that, like you're saying that the difference in dis- distribution and stuff, it's, uh, 
uh, I think it's like one of those classic examples of like, you can pontificate and like, you can talk about what you, what might or might not happen. And then really just keeping a good ledger and comparing year to year, I think is actually how you tell, you know, what, what the changes are. Yeah, that's interesting. We, uh, haven't, we went in, we've gone into one spot that is a little bit known, like we were in there last year and like, hadn't, we haven't seen much. We were giving it the really like big view though. Um, we were looking a long ways. I hope that I've heard from some people that, and that was really, that was like mid June or that was pretty much mid June. So it could have been like a little early. I've heard from some people that they think like the bucks in the mid or just deer in general, going to the high country, like the feed was, the feed is so good in the middle ground that they, they thought that maybe they hung up there longer than normal to get up to elevation. Oh. If that makes sense, like it delayed them a little bit. So I maybe, totally, yeah, yeah I totally maybe I just got that. there too quick. And, uh, so I don't know, I'll go back. Um, really going to try to lay into it pretty hard here coming up. Um, I've been in Nebraska for a while doing stuff oh, here. So, awesome. yeah, man, yeah. I do think I, you know, like I sat on this giant, it was this giant Canyon where two big, uh, creeks come together. And then, you know, like it just is 1700 feet or 1800 feet from the top to the bottom. And I'm looking at this giant, you know, beautiful habitat. It's an old burn and a bunch of cool stuff that's in there that I'm like, yeah, I got to see the bucks, you know? And, um, there were no bucks in this like big Canyon that has all this great habitat, like these rocky cliffs and stuff that they could bed under. And I was just like, dang it. This is like, I worked my tail off to get back in here and I don't mm-hmm. see, I saw like 16 does, but not a buck. And, um, what what is going on and then the next morning i was like it was like 7 a.m and right now it's been so hot that by seven o'clock most stuff is pretty bedded or getting close to it um i was like well let's just pop over to the backside of this like hill that i'm on and the hill i was on was like this giant like open face like sagebrush slope that i just was like there's not much for cover but you know what i just one more try you know and sure enough i pop over the backside and i'm like there's a bachelor herd of three bucks and one of them's a dandy so i was like oh there they are you know they're just like not quite where that you expect them to be right now yeah i think it is just that thing you're talking about like there's been enough moisture and stuff and enough really good feed that they're just kind of like you know trickling into where they really want to be um so yeah i think people are probably going to be really frustrated in their scouting when they go to the same spots that they always have and like the same glassing knob and been like ah there's nothing here yeah well they're they're there. They just they didn't die. You know, like for most part, we had pretty mild winters. So, um, yeah, they're there. Nice. Yeah. High hopes for high hopes for like good feed and good antler. It says, especially like them finishing out, you know, seems like they, you know, they always start decent. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, but it's that tail end, you know, about this next month is going to be, is going to be big in the finishing out portion of it um so i i actually have a question for you because i'm sure you've watched more deer you know on trail camera or whatever finish out um i found a buck and you know we we did the you and i did this field judging podcast a while ago right um and i was field judging him like putting together some rough numbers and i was like man i think he's got six to eight inches as a g3 um and his uh you know g4 i think i'm running this right 
yeah, his G2s are like 14, 15 inches. G3s are like six to eight. And, but they're still super bulbed out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. You know, it's the middle of July and the next month, is he going to put on another two more inches? Like if he did, if he puts two more inches on all around, that puts him in that 180 inch category. And I'm like, cool, that, you know, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a re- really nice buck for this area that I'm hunting. And, um, so I don't know, I, what, have you seen them in this last month, month, put out a bunch of inches or is it kind of like, sometimes they peter out, sometimes they don't. A ton. I think that, uh, I've asked some other like people, this exact same question, because I've seen deer, like even earlier on, I've seen deer that you, they look like one buck will look way more finished out. Like it just won't be as bulby and he just, just looks like he is about what he's going to be. And then a buck that he's with looks, you know, he's like maybe laid out on his ears and starting to come up, but super bulby in the ends. And you're just like, why is there this much difference? And all people have been able to tell me is it just depends on the buck. But I have heard that some of these bigger deer and I've seen pictures too, where like some of these really big deer that people are seeing that like the month of August, they blow up like really. Yeah. Like it is another, yeah, it is a nut, like another on another planet. They just blow up in that month for whatever reason, they just put on the inches like right away. Um, the buck that I killed a few, like quite a few years ago now, I guess that I have video of him in the velvet and I watched him a bit and that was around 4th of July, like earlier July. Um, he seemed to be more finished out then, than you know, like when he finished out, he, he made like some inches up, but not that much. Like he didn't blow up. Like that wasn't a huge, like he didn't look very finished out in early July. And then he blew up. Like he was already pretty finished out. Like he made up from what I can tell on video, like he might've put like an inch and a half on each one, maybe two inches. Um, but he didn't like do that big blow up, but then I've seen pictures and stuff of other guys that literally have bucks like the end of July that kind of look really bulby. And then you see pictures of those deer when they get pictures of them, like in hard horn. And they're like, I mean, some of these deer that they were looking at, they were like, you know, over 200 for sure. Um, but I don't know. That was kind of a long drawn out answer for, I think it depends on the deer and it seems to be a little bit consistent in like some of these really big deer, like they can put the inches on really fast. Oh man. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. (laughs) Watch him. That's for sure. I, yeah, well, I'm kind of nervous. He's, uh, he's hanging out awfully close to a main road. So I, I hope no one's driving that road too early in the morning. Um, yeah, but, uh, we'll see. It's the way we it goes sometimes, thing, but it is man. And you know, and like I, like this buck that I'm talking about, like I said, I literally put, I'll send you some photos. He's not going to go on the internet for a little bit. No. Um, but, uh, uh, this deer, I put the binos on him, like 200 yards from the main highway. And then I like a couple days later, no, it was, wasn't even a couple days. It was that evening. I backpacked into that big Canyon spot and didn't see any bucks that whole that day. Uh, and I just was like, you know, it's the, the whole dichotomy. Like 
yeah, you can work your tail off and sometimes it's just not rewarded, you know, sometimes it just takes knowing the place and knowing the, the country and the deer, um, to get, to get into the good ones. And that's what I love about, you know, like Robbie's tactics. It's just, they, he's just such a, he's just got such a arsenal of tactics and how he approaches his hunts. And he's just a wealth of knowledge for that reason, I think specifically. Yeah. And he uses them all if they need yeah. to be, you know what I mean? Not just like set in one thing, like this is where I'm going to go to hunt them. Um, yeah, it's dude, it's, it's really interesting. It was so funny because I was looking at this new area and we like, we hiked back in there quite a ways, like did an overnighter. We're looking forever away and did not see that many deer. And I'm like, what the hell? And then literally found some bucks like not too far off a road glassing from my pickup and i was like this is so classic this literally happens so often yeah dude especially like with today's like i will say our whole the whole purpose of us hopping on this call today was talking about some sweet backpacking (laughs) yeah but 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 there is just like that you know i think using it strategically is so dang important you know i almost feel like if you get like a fancy tag or like something like a tag that maybe takes a bunch of points or is in a unit that traditionally has really you know low tag numbers i like almost think that those are the units you want to backpack into because then you can find the age class that people aren't killing from the road but then Mm -hmm. like when you take some of these like otc or general style or low point hunts man every tom dick and harry is going into the backcountry these days and and you know it's like you just got to play the play the game play the balance and, and be adaptable it feels like because otherwise uh you could end up going you know like they, they talk about this happening in nevada a lot going into the middle of the backcountry and seeing more people than if you were on the road system um so it just yeah it just seems like the we have such a dynamic environment dynamic hunting opportunities right now that you, you, you can't just be stuck in your ways no yeah absolutely and you know a lot of those places that you know, we're, I, we found a ridge that had some, some like kind of schmedium bucks on it. Um, and like, yeah, where I was, where we were glassing those, it's like, yeah, we're on a road, like glassing them, but you look at where they are and you're like, this is going to be a nightmare to hunt. Like, especially with a bow. (laughs) That's yeah. That, that bow choosing the terrain with the bow is really tough. Right. I mean, but I'm almost thinking like there's gotta be somebody out there who, yeah. I'm, and I've been looking for him too, to, to try to talk to you about this, but like some folks who don't just spot and stock, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's quite a few down in like the desert States that are tracking and that are trying to ambush deer. Um, I haven't found very many in these Rocky mountain, like the, the Northern end of the Rockies anyway, um, that are, that are doing any tactic besides spot and stock. So I'd like to find it, you know, if you hear somebody, highlight them because like i think that you could really do well if you know how to hunt thick country with a bow you know that's just that's oh, a tough yeah. task with a bow oh gosh it, i asked it, robbie this a couple weeks ago and he was like i just don't <laughs> so I, was like, I just don't well, want to yeah <laughs> so i don't I know like yeah it's like you can still hunt up on things in you know with the rifle but usually when you're still hunting up on them i mean you're getting a pretty quick shot and like with a bow i feel like 
you just have to move so much to draw that I just don't know if they would hold for you. You just might end up, especially that time of year, just like shooting yourself in the foot more than you're helping yourself. And it kind of sucks because like, depending on the terrain, you know, if they're jumping into a big group of trees or like going more down towards the bottom of the basin and getting in some trees, like you're glassing that morning and you're hopefully going to try to ambush ish. And then you're done for the day. And those days are long. Mm-hmm. They're so long, man. But it's just I, the way it is. I think that still hunting, you know, still hunting with a rifle takes a lot of skill. I actually think it probably takes more skill in some ways than like just spot and stalking. Like it just, you got to be slow. You got to be a good shot. You got to be able to judge and like all this stuff, like just in an instant, right. Get mm-hmm. a good rest if he's further or not, you know, and you like, again, you gotta make that good shot and you don't have that time to, to set up or anything. I think still hunting with a bow, dude, that's gotta be just next level. Um, I, I, I don't know very many folks who are very good at it or who do it consistently. So, um, yeah, that's probably a good, that's probably a good challenge. If someone wanted to take it on is just try to figure out how to get really good at still hunting with a bow. Uh, I think it, I think it just takes time, man. It takes a lot of patience. Yeah. A lot of patience. Um, sweet. Well, before we, we're going to talk about a new, one of the new Argali tents that you've been running and I've been running it as well. We've, I think we only have like a night or two in it. Um, but thus far, just what I've seen, I love it. Uh, before we do that though, you got a new little venture that you're off on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, especially people who listen to the rock cast probably can understand that there's a ton of folks who get tags in the West or out West. who haven't done this a bunch, We then go on to the forum and post like, I'm not looking for anybody's honey hole, but I need a starting point. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then they just get murdered in the comments. Like, ah, this guy sucks. Um, and so I saw that as like an opportunity, like, okay, instead of just bashing on these folks, we need to like help teach people how to use like the digital tools we got, how to do good research, how to search forums and like understand like there's a bunch of these conversations already been had and give them good starting points, you know, that are specific to their hunt. Um, and so I created this project called Hunt West where I'm helping people understand how to build game plans for hunting out West. Specifically, that's, I've got a framework that I'm kind of put together so I can have consistency with it um, looking at what people want out of a hunt, what kind of gear and physical abilities they have, and then just breaking down like a three-step game plan. So they can go like to different parts of the unit, depending on what they're seeing, what the pressure's like and what weather throws their way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm helping out just a handful of folks this year. Cause I want to do a really good job of it. But, uh, anyway, if that, if, if that's interesting, anybody, it's a huntwest.net. So, um, yeah, like I said, just a little project I wanted to start on the side because I saw a lot of folks needing some help and not a lot of people willing to give it to them. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what's going on there. Heck yeah. Help them. Uh, yeah. Like maybe manage expectations a little bit too, you know? Oh, totally. You know, I've got this, um, fella I'm going to talk to today who, um, is coming out for his first elk hunt out West. And he's like, you know, was talking to a friend of ours. It's just word of the mouth for the most part. Um, that people are kind of coming and asking me questions. Um, and it's just, this dude was like, yeah, I, I, do you think five days would be enough to kill an elk in Colorado? And I was like, Oh geez, have you hunted out West? He's like, no, this will be our first time. I was like, okay. Uh, 
how good a shape are you? And he's like, well, I broke my leg last year and I've had a hard time like getting back into shape. And I'm like, Oh boy. Um, so then, mm-hmm. it, you know, it just is like, like you said, setting those expectations. I'm like, you know, when I talk to him, it's gonna be like, dude, you should probably set up like a three-year plan or, you know, more just to understand this one area and like get to know it really well. And then, you know, like say each year you come out, you're just going to, you're going to learn these areas, like the back of your hand and learn how to use them and learn how pressure is. And then like, you know, like you said, um, you know, if you kill something along the way, like that's a, that's like you're beating expectations. But I think a lot of people come out and they're like, you know, I'm not looking, this is the other one, right. On the, on the forums. I'm not looking for a giant, just a nice 300 inch bull. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking for a giant, just like a good 180 class buck. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. Like that is a chore for, for people who have been hunting out here their entire life and who are really dedicated. So, um, yeah, yeah. like you said, setting that expectation is, that's actually, that's first step of that whole process is like when someone's like, Hey, I w- I'd like some hunt West help. And I'm like, okay, do this little questionnaire deal. Like, tell me where you're at. Like, I need to know where you're starting here because that's going to totally direct the conversation in different directions. Yeah. And man, I think something too, on a little bit about expectations. Again, we're back wandering off topic, but that's okay. Um, you know, with, I was thinking about this during, you know, the scouting trip the other day, like I put on Instagram, a funny little video about me saying, you hope deer where like you're going to scout and then you don't see anything and all your dreams crushed. Yeah. It's like, it's so true. I mean, it goes, you know, that's just not a scouting thing. That's just a hunting thing in general. Like you have, of course, even though I've done this for a long time and you have too, like we still think that we're going to roll into a basin and there's going to be 180s everywhere and then we get there and we're just like dang it well it's just the way it is like Robbie says like welcome to the game we play like it's just it takes a lot of uh honestly takes a lot of gas money to like keep going to these new places uh, every weekend or, you know, nights after work and like trying to find these deer. And a lot of times, like you're not going to, especially a big one, you're not even going to find one. And this is when they're supposed to be there, the easiest to find. So it's not like the rest of us are just rolling in and like, you know, there's a lot of luck and it happens and there's a lot of luck in all of this, but it just, you're going to be a little bit like let down there's just going to be a little bit of a letdown when you roll in opening day and there's not you know bulls bugling everywhere and then you don't know what to do it's like there's going to be a little bit of disappointment that's going to come with some of this stuff and that's a little bit of bringing your expectations back down to you know more realistic places oh absolutely you know i just was tallying it up real quick and like i have uh scouted 15 spots and the majority of these spots have been like areas i've been around in the past but a handful of them are not and i've gotten zeroed on bucks five different times right and like i'm like i know this place like the back of my hand i know what the habitat that the deer like to live in looks like i know like generally where the populations are and like I've gotten zeroed on bucks five different days this year already. Right. And I actually, I almost like it when you get zeroed out, like you don't see something because you're like one, you could be stubborn. Like that one spot I've talked about and like, want to be like, okay, there's gotta be a deer here. I'm going to go back. Right. Or you can take it and be like, 
well, clearly, you know, depending on what your expectations are, clearly there's not a high population here. Cause even when you do see bucks, like you're not seeing them all. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if you do go there and you're like, you get zeroed out, you're just like, ah, you know, the population probably isn't high enough for what I'm looking for. Um, but on the inverse of that too, like sometimes, uh, I'm going to spots lately that are less like lower deer density and lower hunting pressure for the sole reason that like, I'm looking for an older age class. Right. So it just people's expectations. And like, you're talking about, like, sometimes it's just hunting and you just like go out there and you get goose egged on a hunt or goose egged on a scout trip. And like, mm-hmm. um, it just makes you better. I think every time. Yeah, it, it does. And it's, um, yeah, I like what you, I like what you got going on. I think no, it's gonna, you. I think people are gonna like it. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if anyone wants any questions, hit me up on rock slide or, um, their social medias or, you know, wherever you can find me. Um, I'm happy to just BS with people and give them free resources too. I think that that's half the it battle these days is not that there aren't free resources available to teach someone this stuff, but that like, where do you even start? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can help kind of sift through some of that stuff. You know, uh, I've got a couple articles that are basically like conglomerations of podcasts and like conglomerations of different learning, um, tools and like on, there's a bunch of rock casts, you know, and mm-hmm. like stuff that you can send people that like, okay, I want to learn about deer hunting. I'm going to send them to Robbie Denning and to Jordan buds conversations, you know, um, because like you guys cover some great ground on this podcast as an example. So, um, yeah, man, I think like, like I said, it's just, it's all a big learning process. And if you're looking for a shortcut, there's just like, there, there one does not exist. I do not know. All right. Time for a little break to thank our sponsors. First, we have Onyx Hunt Maps, a great tool to use in the field and at home for mapping out all of your hunts. If you use code ROCKCAST at checkout, you will get 20% off your Onyx membership. Go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt. And then on the mountain and here at home, I love coffee. So uh, Black Rifle Coffee has an option for everything. Um, Instant coffee on the mountain. That's a little more darker roast. If you like a little lighter roast, you can use their steeping bags, which are great for backpacking and uh, just backcountry use. If you go to uh, blackriflecoffee.com and use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first order. And then activejunkie.com is a great uh, website where you can get cash back on purchases uh, through over 1,500 brands and retailers. So go to activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide, get signed up for a free account, uh, go to the brand or retailer you want to purchase from, click through the Active Junkie website to that and make your purchase like normal. Active Junkie will give you up to 20% cash back via a PayPal Uh, deposit or they will send you a check to your mailbox every 90 days so go check them out activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide they've got some of the brands and retailers that we love set up on there and then firstlight.com firstlight clothing love them for hunting Um, they have some new waterfowl apparel that's going to be coming out pretty quick and i always like mentioning that firstlight does have some waterproof duffel bags that are fantastic three different sizes um, the two bigger ones have backpack straps, which is nice for carrying through the airport with all your stuff. So if you're interested in any of that, go check out firstlight.com. And with that, we're going to dive back into the episode. Um, all right. So 
going into the old uh, Argali Absorca. Do you say, does he say Absorca or Absaroka? I call it the, I had this conversation with Brad and I call it the Absorca because yeah. the Absorcas are in Wyoming and that's where I live. The, yes. I think Absarokas are on the other side of the border in Montana. So, um, Absorca. Um, I like it. But yeah, I, I've had a, I've had a really fun time kind of just getting to work with that tent and get to learn like that bigger kind of a setup. I don't normally run such a big tent. Like most of the time, what I'll do is like a two person tent that fits, uh, obviously myself and my gear, but a lot of times it'll be like Jess and I, my significant other and I are in a two person tent with all of our gear and stuff. And like, we just kind of put the gear either as a backrest or, you know, in the little vestibule and stuff. So go into a bigger tent option like this, like Absorca is, um, was freaking sweet. And then I also have ran it on a couple scout trips and I bring the dog with me, especially if we're in some G bear country mm-hmm. and, um, and, and then the dog, like, you know, doesn't tear up the floor or anything. Cause there is no floor when I run, when I run it with him and, uh, it's still just chilling, you know, and there's plenty of room. It's not like you have puppy breath breathing down your face. So, um, no, it's been good. I, I really like, I like the versatility of that setup. So, um, yeah, I, I think Brad did a really good job putting that thing together. I think so too. And the, the fabric package that he put together for it is really kick-ass as well. Like we, I got on a podcast with him when they were just coming out and he went through, like, he really geeked out on it and I love it. Um, but basically what he's done is like, there are other tents on the market that use like a, like a nylon material and that can actually absorb um, water like vapor. Like it might not, you know, the coatings that they put on it, it won't like absorb water, but the vapor it can absorb. And that's where you get sag and also a really heavy wet tent. So um, what he's done with it, um, with the poly or that's correct, right? Poly. Yeah. 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 Yep. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't do that. So, you know, cool stuff, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He's, you know, thinking well, outside the box, doing something different. Absolutely. And you know, if anyone's run some other tarp tents or tarp style tents in the past, like, especially when there's a heavy dew, you'll wake up and that sucker is like starting to sag onto your face. You know, if you're mm-hmm. sitting there, you're sleeping too close to that edge. Um, and this just doesn't do that. No, I'm not saying it doesn't get condensation like mm-hmm. the rest of them. Um, I mean, that's just like, that's just science. It happens. Um, but at least it's not sitting there on your, on your nose as you wake up in the morning or, or sagging on your sleeping bag and getting your sleeping bag wet. Yeah. Um, I've like, you know, had a couple experiences so far with it where we've had that really bad, um, moisture, especially in the earlier parts of the spring when I was running it in like May or, or April and, and May, um, just things were wet just generally. And, um, you know, like I said, that helped a lot to make sure stuff doesn't get rained on. Um, the other thing is that insert, have you ran the insert yet? I know he's got a limited amount of those things. Okay. That insert really helps when it comes to, um, some of that moisture and, and not, and, you know, just make it so it doesn't rain on you and, and, and doesn't get on your sleeping bag and stuff. I, uh, I was bear hunting in May and, it was, I was kind of up high in the higher country and there's still snow drifts around. And like the only flat spot I found was 
kind of muddy and mucky from the snow that had just melted from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that insert was so slick. It was so nice to not have to get mud and stuff on that thing while still running a tent that was, you know, it was the same tent as I ran a couple weeks prior when it was still freezing and um, in Turkey camp. So uh, not having to swap out for a different tent is like super beneficial. And I just think that it keeps, uh, you know, it keeps like one system that is really versatile um, in your pack. I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And yeah, we, we got in, like we have one of those double sleeping pads. So like two of us could sleep like on one side of the pole and then it just opened up the other side to like all of our stuff. And there's just so much, there was so much room in that thing. And I know you went through, like you compared it to your, um, just a standard two person, like freestanding tent. Uh, mm-hmm. can you, can you talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So most people who've spent some time in a two person tent understand that like most two person tents are really just mean like one person in gear right yeah and when you're one person in gear and you're inside that little sucker uh you know you gotta you're like gotta shimmy into your pants and you're put your socks on while you're laying down in the morning or taking them off at night right and like you just don't really have much freedom of of movement at all you're just kind of confined to your little sleeping quarters um and then this freaking thing so okay i'm vertically challenged i'm not very tall i'm like five six five seven on a good day Um, but I could stand up in this sucker and like put my shoes on and put my socks and pants on like while standing up. And, um, definitely like you literally can just walk around on your knees on in that thing anywhere in that tent and like have plenty of space. So I really like that. Um, and you know, the other thing, like you, you just pointed out the two of you sleep in it really comfortably. I think it is like one of the most awesome op, uh, like one of the most awesome options for someone who is uh, a buddy hunter with an elk season. I think that's mm-hmm. like where this thing freaking shines. Yep. Um, you know, like it's just two people. And then in the later seasons, you can throw that stove in. Um, and we can kind of talk a little bit more about that if you want, but that stove system, just like having the, again, it just is, this is one real versatile piece of equipment. Cause then you obviously don't run the stove with the nest, right? Like you don't get the mesh as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's sweet to be able to toss that in there. Yeah. And it just makes you, you have one tent that like later season, you can run it with a stove, you know, as we're talking about versatility. And then if you don't care if you have a floor or not, then in the early season, you could just run it without a stove. Um, But if there's bugs or if you like the idea of a floor, like then you toss the floor in and you, it's all the same vehicle, you know, or the vehicle, geez, it's all the same. uh, It's all the same tent. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is, um, so we had, like, I keep kind of referring, we, in April, we had a, um, a kind of turkey camp, I guess you could say. And three of us sat in there with a, uh, stove running and drank beer at, at the, at the truck, you know, <laughs> cause that stove was gone. Everyone, you know, it's just kind of uh-huh. like having a little campfire in there. And gosh, I mean, especially with three people in there, it got so toasty. Uh, it was like a little sauna. Um, and, it was well, three, three of us plus a dog were in there. So I don't know that I I think if you were careful and, or didn't care about your sleeping bag too much, uh, you could put three people with a stove in there too. Um, definitely could do four without the stove, uh, three to four without the stove. Um, but I mean, it just, you know, like I said, like you're saying too, 
it, it, there's plenty of space on that inside that I thought was, uh, was handy. Now I, I, we're over here, like, you know, pumping up the tires on this Absorca four person tent. I think it's important maybe to touch on some places it doesn't shine. Yeah. Um, and one of, and the biggest thing, this is my biggest critique is that the footprint, because it has all the space, the footprint is pretty big. Yeah. Um, so if someone is, you know, trying to run ridges, uh, looking for deer and you're kicking out beds and trying to like sleep, you know, up on the, the really steep slopes without much for, for flat areas, it's going to be tough to pitch that sucker. Um, let alone tough to pitch it, but also just like, it's going to have, um, it's just not going to have, you know, any sort of structure when you're pitching it on a side slope. Um, so I, I noticed that and I even used it last weekend. I was sitting there with my two person. To, it was just me and the dog last weekend going on this backpacking trip. And I was looking at like, do I take the tarp tent, the four person tent, or do I run my two person that is basically, you know, just for me. And I ended up going with the four person tent going like, I just like that extra space I get. And I knew where I was going. There was some flat spots, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, uh, had a big plateau on top that I was going to camp on and then walk down a little ways to glass off the cliff into this big Canyon. Um, but if I had been up in the, if up in the super high country running these little finger ridges and stuff, I would have gone with a, a smaller tent. Um, and so that is maybe something, you know, especially people who are doing those big backcountry hunts in Idaho, um, those big backcountry hunts in kind of Western Wyoming and stuff. Like it would be tough to get that thing pitched in a really comfortable manner for two people or, or more. Um, if you don't have a, have a game plan for where you're going to camp and make sure that that game plan includes like plenty of space to stake that sucker out and get that floor spread. Yeah. For the footprint. Gotcha. Uh -huh. And they also have, he's got a rink on two person also that would shrink that up a little bit. But, um, I think some of that is just like the design of the thing, you know, that pyramid style is just, I don't it's know. It's got a bigger floor, floor, floor yep. space, but, but, and this is like, it just goes back to like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Right. Yeah. You can't have all this space and also not take up much ground space. Right. Like mm -hmm. you, it just doesn't, that doesn't work life doesn't work that way um i do think and i haven't screwed with the ring con yet i know that there's a good little thread on uh on rockside about it um where he talks a little bit more about that but that would definitely be more of i think better suited for someone who is uh maybe running ridges as a as a deer hunter or just just running um really steep country in particular mm -hmm. yeah now weights on this thing yeah they are yeah. uh they're not, they're pretty good. Yeah. So I have like a 2.2 pound. And so this was like, this is what I was comparing when I was looking at my two person shelter and, uh, and then this thing, um, the four person tent is 1.75 pounds. I, it came in at, you know, right at 30 ounces, 31. I think it was just a skosh over what they expected when I measured it at my house. Um, and that is like significantly less. It's like a full pound less than my two person tent. Right. The other thing is, um, what the way that I've been pitching it and I had the center pole for the, for the Absorca at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I lost, I actually lost a section. I felt so bad. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, one, I will say I pitched it lower without a section of that center pole and it uh -huh. still worked really good. I mean, obviously you just lose head space, but I started also just like pitching it with my trekking poles. Mm 
mm-hmm. and you, you save weight there. Um, I just have, I've always brought along this, like, I've got this strap that holds my sleeping pad together. And then I have these straps. They're called a volet strap. If you're a skier, um, you'll see them. They're like the little, or a snowmobiler. They're like the, the orange rubber band, the straps that are super tough. Um, uh-huh. I just volet strap my ski poles or yeah, my trekking poles together and pitch the tent up like with that. And I've done that the last three trips I've been on this tent and it works great. I, I freaking, I think I'll just leave the center pole at home. Even if I had all the sections yeah, <laughs> because it's so much easier to run that way. Yeah. And Brad's new trekking poles that are going to be coming out are going to be a little better suited for tying together to use. That's as what a he said. Pole. He was like, do you have my, do you have my trekking pole? I was like, no, I don't have your trekking pole. Like they're not for sale, Brad, but he's, uh, he's super stoked about how that all fits together with the system too. It's, um, he's done a really thoughtful job of putting together a gear kit that I think just really blends well together. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I forgot all of the poles when we took it the other day and, uh, I do have Brad's trekking poles, but I didn't have his little connector thing. So I just sent you a picture of what we came up with for <laughs> a center pole. It was only for a night, so I wasn't too worried, but I, okay. uh, so to describe yeah. this for folks, you guys, <laughs> you guys found a dead stick. Yep. And you found a bunch Splinted of paracord it. and you split just like, yeah, just like you splint a broken leg together. You yep. sprinted, splinted your, uh, trekking poles together. But I think the good touch is you put a little bit of duct tape on there just for safety. <laughs> yeah. We thought that, um, yeah, we thought that might, you know, really cement it in. And, um, <laughs> I wouldn't maybe say that it did, but, uh, it worked. <laughs> you know, I will say like, if you're in some super strong winds, and again, this kind of goes back to like where you're pitching in the tent, like where you're hunting most of the time. If you're up on those big high ridges, usually you're going to get some strong wind at some point, right? Yeah. I'm not so sure I'd be super confident in the trekking pole combo if you're up on the top with strong wind. But if you're down like in some saddle or some meadow that is a little closer to where like you might be elk hunting, I don't know that I would worry about it too awful much. Um, so I actually did set, I, I pitched, uh, this tent up in my yard when it was blowing like 55, 60 miles an hour gusts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I commented on it in the, the review I did and, um, you know, like I didn't, I also didn't guy line it out. I just was like, how is this thing going to do if you go to sleep? And then all of a sudden it just like the wind comes ripping and you haven't done the extra setup on it. And that thing held together actually really good. Um, I was super stoked, uh, to see just like, it doesn't collapse on itself or anything. You know, I think that you see mm-hmm. a lot of tents will start like wherever the wind is hitting it, it'll start like folding under itself. Uh, and this held up like super well and like just held really good. Um, now obviously it's going to slap around and, you know, whip around in the, in the wind, just like every tent and then mm-hmm. every tent fabric does. Um, but again, I just was like, nice. It's not folding in on itself. It's keeping, it's like, it's keeping itself pitched up really well. Um, so he did a good job setting those guidelines and, and the stuff that comes with it, uh, from the gate go. Nice. Yeah. Kick ass, uh, stove. What'd you run in at first stove? So I borrowed a, a buddy of mine's, uh, cub U-turn stove with a mm-hmm. six inch or six foot, uh, pipe. Um, now I, you probably can get away with this six, six foot pipe. I mean, we did, um, and it didn't, it didn't hurt anything, 
but I also am not so sure that I would run the six foot pipe if you had the choice, if you're just placing this order right off the get go, because it's pretty close to where that, um, where that hole through the tent is, uh, you probably like, if you get that fire spark in a lot, you're probably going to get a little bit of, um, spark through the spark arrestor and might land on your tent. So that's my, that's my only, yeah. like, you know, like the smallly recommendation on that. The cup U-turn, like I was saying earlier, it, it like got it to sauna level hot. And, um, I just, I think that they've done a good job with that little guy, especially if, uh, as backpackers, um, it's a pretty compact and lightweight little deal. Um, let's see, it's 15, no way, 15 ounces, uh, storage tube adds three ounces. So anyway, it's like right in that, I, it's two and a half or a pound and a half probably and a half, for yeah. the whole, yeah, t- uh, for the whole stove setup, dude, that is, I mean, literally your stove and your tent, if you're just running it set up for hot tent is going to be the same weight basically as like some of these two and three person tents are so i think it's really underrated also i don't know yeah. i um I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question too i got a question yesterday i did like a questionnaire daily on instagram i do it every once in a while um uh-huh. there was a guy that said what is all the rage or why are how do you say that why are floorless tents all the rage with hunters mm-hmm. and i want you to answer that i think it just comes back to what someone wants like in their gear kit, right? The reason why they're all the rage for me and like the reason why I really like running them is because one, they kind of reduce extra space in your pack, right? Like you have one tarp for me personally, the way I'm running it is I've got the one tarp plus like my stakes. And then I have my trekking poles that I already have with me, right? You, Mm -hmm. it's just a significantly smaller package. And, and in this review, I show a picture of what that what i'm talking about when um i'm talking about that space savings it's like i i put out the the (laughs) the insert the tarp and the center pole even like not even counting just running trekking poles is smaller or as small as the two-person tent right so if you Mm -hmm. just like you're talking one half or even less of the size of of gear that you would take if you're running a full floored tent now i will say like uh, if you're going to places with bugs, like run that insert, right. Yep. You're going to get, I messed up. And in that first scouting trip I went on mid June, I uh, didn't run the, the insert and I had creepy crawlies on my face at night. It was kind mm. of a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, so then, and, and then the other th- part of it was, you know, like I was talking about in that bear season early on running a floorless tent in that soggy, like ground is not going to be good for your gear in the least. It gets everything crappy muddy and and gross but in the most like it it could actually you know soak into your gear and and cause a lot of discomfort right so yeah um i think that they're they are all the rage for the weight savings for the space and for that that hot tent ability um but you also just gotta you gotta be kind of smart with the application right you can't be out there in may like i was in bear season expecting that your stuff won't get wet if you're running without a floor on the inverse of that you can't be out in late August, early September in some kind of wetter environment and not expect to get mosquitoes on your face. If you're running that thing without a floor. Yep. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's, that's where people have some specific expectations of these things to do everything. And like, no, they don't do everything really well, but they do some specific types of hunting 
extremely well. And if that's the style of hunting that you do, then it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's like, I think that a floorless, if you have a stove and then also an insert, that system probably covers more, like covers more of like all season status Mm -hmm. than like a two person standard backpacking tent does. So I don't know. It's like, I've got, so we've got this, this four person now, like there's usually two of us and a dog in gear. And, um, I don't know. I'm not like too picky on weight stuff. So it doesn't really bother me to have, even for myself, like having a bigger tent with an insert, I don't really care if I carry it. But then there are certain times where like, I've got that Hilleberg Rogan. So that's like, you know, your standard, just two person pop-up type tent. Um, with the poles and everything. And then another one you prayed, I didn't, don't need to have, but that seek outside, I, uh, Silex, I have that thing without a, um, without a floor or without the insert, just for like a super lightweight, like on the go, like you're saying, kick a deer bed out to sleep in. If you have to, if I'm doing like, you know, a bonsai overnight or two, three nights or something like that. Um, so those three like really cover everything, but two of those, I think, are pretty limited in what they can do they're a little more specific um but the the like having some kind of a floorless you got the insert for early season you got a stove for late season like that covers a lot of stuff so like i guess i say all that to say like if you just want one tent it's kind of hard to beat if you have a stove and some kind of a floorless and then an insert to, to go with it yeah, abs- yeah, 110% on that. I'm on that train with you. Um, that's totally where, if I was starting off fresh, that's probably where I'd be. Yeah. Freestanding tents, like, you know, the classic tents, um, they they are generally pretty easy to pitch in some, you know, tight situations yeah. and stuff. So, um, yeah, again, you just kind of have to, kind of have to, like, think these things through and, like, plan you it do. out before you, just, before you just go buying new hot gear willy-nilly. Man, and it's probably going to be one of those things like there's going to be some trial and error. Like you pick something you think it's going to be the best, and then next year you're going to be like, well, I kind of want to try this because I didn't really like how whatever. And you're probably just going to end up trading some gear around. Yeah, well, that's and that's just fine. Like you know, when I lived in Oregon and I was in some wetter environments more often, like the the standard two person tent with the nest all the time, like that probably just makes sense, you know, but now that I'm out in Wyoming where like, you know, I'm going to be hunting some of the more deserty country. And then also up in the higher stuff where there's low, like there's like zero water on the tops. Right. Um, you're not going to get any bug issues. And like, you know, it just is as, as times change and as your style of hunting changes through, through your life, like you're going to have different gear for different things. Yep. Sweet. Uh, we've, you have a thread that's up on the Rockside forums about this. Have you gotten any like major questions on there that you wanted to cover? I kind of just sprung that on you, but. Uh, not super. No, not, not any crazy questions. I will say like one of the things that people ask is like, and like highlight is like, wait, this is built where, you know, and it's like done and he has it made overseas. But the thing is like, he's having these things made overseas in a, in a factory that, only does tents this is not like some cheap like uh what's that 
website alibaba type like operation here yeah this is this is like a very specific uh tent maker that is making this stuff for high quality use so i would you know i i've seen some people ask about that i wouldn't have any issues with quality and obviously brad is just a small uh brad and his team are a pretty small operation so um i i like the idea of supporting those guys who are um you know just making a go of it and making really good stuff so um Yeah, no, I think that was one of the, the questions. And I asked Brad, Brad and I had a long conversation about that. But um, anyway, you can go into some of those threads. You know, like you said, we have a, uh, we have a thread on mine um, that's related to like what people look for in a floorless tent. Then there's the new Argali lightweight tent line thread that Brad is in. And he answers a lot of these same questions. And then you and him did that podcast. So like, yeah. like if someone if someone has questions about these tents, they I think we've covered it somewhere. So yeah. Um, I'm happy to point people toward that stuff and I'm sure you will too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great information. And I think that like in summary, this four person tent is like a sweet option for someone who just, who hammers out country or hunts in the late season with a buddy. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to run it some more this year. Sweet, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, we're going to use it a bunch. Um, one thing I think too, like, pitchability with that pyramid style is really easy like stick your four corners out pop it up the center pole and boom that's it oh totally yeah yeah and i used a lot of dead man's on it and i was like kind of worried that it would pull so dead man for those who don't know it's just like you kind of dig a hole and, and put your stake in there because you're having a hard time getting it to grab and then you mm-hmm. put rocks or weight on top of it to hold it down and um dude the way that that angle, I don't know if he did, I'm sure he did this on purpose, but I don't know. I haven't asked him about it specifically. The angle is not pulling very hard on those, on those, um, weight weighted points. And so I've had really like an easy time getting that thing to stay up when you're in areas that are rocky and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's a really nice. good point on pitchability and stuff. Sweet. Um, are you running all the, the guy line points too? Did you put cord on them, all of them? No, I didn't. I, I kind of was like, I, I, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I need it for one. It kind of adds a little, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the guy who cuts his toothbrush off, like looking for lightweight, but I also like, I'm not trying to add stuff that's unnecessary either. Um, and I haven't had a major reason to run it. I'm that might change in the future. I'm not going to, I'm going to reserve right to change my mind on that one, but uh, so far it's not been needed. Sweet. Yeah. I'm going to put some on mine and, and play with it a little bit. Like, something I think that those things would be good for is giving you a little more like wall space, like, um, and I don't mean like pitching it. So like, I would say take a cord and I like finding a stick or something that has, you can like prop the cord up with, and then you stake it to the ground. So propping that stick up kind of, it pulls that, that guy line point, it pulls the wall outwards. So it gives you like a little more vertical wall space, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that that's what I am going to try to do a little bit on mine and see if I can get it to see if I can get those walls pull out a little bit. But other than that, like it's pretty taut, like the sides aren't, you know, whopping around as bad as, um, you know, some other ones, I guess I've been around. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that goes back to that no sag fabric, like just in like by standard, when you, pitch that thing and it's kind of snug it's gonna stay snug 
Um, and so that was like a, you know, that goes back to that detail of like, what's it built with, you know, like that makes a bigger difference longer down the road. Sweet. Man, is that kind of wrap it for what you were wanting to talk about there? Yeah, I think that does it. You know, I think, um, the other thing is cool is like, we've, we've talked about Brad a lot today, but the nice thing is, is like, obviously he uses all this stuff like a ton and he builds it with, you know, like in a lot of ways for himself, intention, a yeah. lot of intention. And then on top of that, the dude like is super receptive to not only critique, but like just questions and really good, like thoughtful questions in particular, <laughs> you know, where yep. um, he'll respond to anybody who has a, has a concern or has feedback for him. Um, so that's really enjoyable. Cause like, you know, if there is something um, you can reach right out to him and, uh, and let him know. Sweet. All right, man. Well, go find some deer this weekend. <laughs> I have trail cameras set up, so I, uh, I sure I, I've never ran trail cameras before because I just like the glass a lot. Um, but I'm trying to put the pattern down on a couple of bigger bucks. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing some deer. You might see some, some sneak peeks and stuff. So we'll see. Hell yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on.